1: Hey, movie lovers, welcome back to another Anatomy of Movie. I hope you're ready to get upgraded because that's the movie we're going to talk about, Lee Wannell's latest directing venture. It is the science fiction body horror. Stay tuned.
0: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews.
1: Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, his second directing credit... He is directing this one. It's about a man who becomes a quadriplegic and then gets upgraded. And lots to talk about because that's good sci-fi. Allow me to introduce Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. And Marissa Serafini.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And I am Phil Svitek. Welcome to the show. We will be (laughs) discussing... Upgrade the movie that recently just came out. We will be discussing it quite at length, both from a story perspective, from a behind the scenes perspective, and as well as the box office numbers and reception and all of that fun stuff. That said, we assume you've seen the movie, or at least if you don't care about spoilers, well, here's your warning for spoilers because it's going to be spoiler filled. Secondly, If you would like to follow along with the show, we do have a rundown that has all of our notes compiled for you, some of which we don't always get to, but we try to draw on as much as we can, and it just helps fill out the whole experience of the show, if you will. So without further ado, where we always start is with our overall thoughts, because it's an entryway into what we think of the movie. Marissa, why don't you kick us off?
2: Well, I saw the trailer for this movie probably two months ago, and I thought it looked really cool. I love the color um, palette. I love this camera work that was just shown in the trailer. I was like, this looks like an, a cool action movie. Oh, with the sci-fi element, which I generally enjoyed. Watching the first 20 minutes, it, it, admittedly, it was hard for me to get through the first 20 minutes. So it was very felt very scripted, kind of cheesy, borderline acting. And, I mean, I watch Hallmark, so I, I know B-rated movies when I see one. Um, but once we got to the, the actual action and stuff actually started happening, I was like, okay, cool. Um, I can see why this film was being made. And it was a fun adventure. Admittedly, I liked the second and third act more than I did the first. But overall, it was a fun movie. And I was like, ha! I walked <laughs> out of the movie theater, I was like, yeah, that was cool.
0: Awesome. Dimitri. It's it's a B-sci-fi movie. Like, it, it makes no bones about it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it, it, it's actually the kind of movie that we, that we, uh, well, that the industry needs. It needs to fill in, you know, where we, we have these mega-budgeted poles It's good to have these lower-budgeted Blumhouse. It's a, we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure, later on in the show. Uh, it's Blumhouse Tilt. It's that, that brand's... Um, a uh, uh, maiden voyage so to speak uh, and I really liked it it's 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 um, what if Michael Crichton had written death wish you would get upgrade uh, it's got that sci-fi tech uh, uh, the pros and cons of tech does it work how good is it bad is it uh, and what happens and all the mayhem that it can cause so uh, yeah I, I had a really good time leo and you're right it's a second time directing Um uh, And while there were many scenes and shots, I felt that they were like, wow, I hadn't seen a fight scene done this way before, which is cool for for a small budgeted uh, film. He's still in his first director kind of phase. I think he's he's. He's progressing. He's he's moving along. And, you know, because there are some other shots that are like first time director kind of shots like, ooh, look at me. That's an awesome shot where he doesn't quite need that. But I think that he's evolving as a director and he's able to work with a micro budget, which isn't surprising. He and James Wan uh, were, were cut from the saw cloth. So that was their baby. And talk about micro budget. And and making that work, and that's what he's doing here. And I think he made an enjoyable uh, sci-fi B movie thriller.
1: Yeah, I as far as the budget, so we've been referencing uh, estimate about three to five million, which in this day and age, it you know for I think what ends up on screen uh, is very low. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like I, I would have guessed much higher having seen what actually ends up happening. Uh, to me, the movie actually reminds me of a movie called Bound by the Wachowskis. It was their first movie before The Matrix, and and it had it. It, it was a micro budget, and it just had a lot of fun elements that you would see later on in their work. And I think this isn't even though it's his second film, so it's not his first film, but I'm, I'm seeing the pieces come together for something, and I could see him directing something far larger if he so chooses to, or he can stay contained and like gets, this.
0: And he gets the opportunity. I mean, this reminded me of many movies. Uh, uh, there's a movie called Hardware that had come out some years ago. Uh, Lawnmower Man, um, to an extent. Uh, but, but that's okay. When you're making a B-sci-fi movie like this, that's okay. It's it's how you pull it off and what you're able to accomplish. Uh, there's brevity, short movie, ninety minutes. Love that <laughs> the pacing for me, beginning to end, it was over and I was like, "This is perfect." I'm in, I'm out. I was entertained. Uh, the audience I start with was loving it. Uh, it's a fun
1: movie, absolutely, and and it has a really good twist that I want to spend a little bit time on talking, but I don't want to talk about it just yet. <laughs> um, so let's. Let's talk about the development of all of this, and then we'll, we'll get into the story overall. Because it's been in the works for a number of years at this point. Uh, as according to him, about six years, and what, the, the inception of the idea was a quadriplegic man with a computer trip that would basically control his movements for him, the ones that he couldn't for the rest of his body. And uh, at first it started off as the the screenplay being called STEM and he reworked it and reworked. And I think the, the biggest thing that sort of came out of this, um, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but once the notion came about that he was going to direct this, and actually he he cites it as it forced him to become a better writer because now, you know, when when you're writing and you're a script writer, you, you kind of, your, your imagination gets the best of you, if you will. Right. And you kind of expand the universe every which way and don't really care about the budget. Then when the budget hits and you're like, ooh, how are we going to do this? You, you kind of constrict yourself, and yet you find creativity within those restrictions. And, I, and uh, he's very proud that he was able to accomplish that, and now I think he's going to carry that forward, or so he says.
2: Right, and I like that, and and we've covered a lot of different writers and and all the rewrites as well. But I I like that he had to realize that, yeah, a concept could be cool, but when you actually have to direct your own work, you have to make sure that the characters and storylines are flushed out or make as much sense as you can so you yourself can actually direct your own work. Um, And I like that, and it enforces creativity on that end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, and let's not forget, this is a Blumhouse picture, Oh, Blumhouse Tilt. <clears throat> Again, uh, this is a subdivision of Blumhouse. Uh, they've made their bones about making small-budgeted horror movies, uh, and 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 that f- forces isn't the right it it, it it brings creativity to the table. And as I said, James Wan and Leigh Whannell, coming from they were the originators of Saw. That's where they, they they cut their teeth or they in order to figure out how do we make a low budgeted movie uh, and then they made Saw a success. But basically Blumhouse, in a sense, is what like Lionsgate when they released Saw sort of kinda of, sort of like. They they just take from that, let's make micro budgeted films. They did the conjuring, right? Annabelle movies. And they're just very smart. They're doing the upcoming Halloween, and it's we don't need a ton of money. The, the The Purge has done huge for them. Sorry that I keep on going back to titles, but we don't need a ton of money. We get creativity, um, and we get quality product that 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 for the most part, general audiences enjoy. Uh, so, and yes, their bones are from horror movies. Uh, but they make them very well. And you can trust in them that if you're seeing something with Blumhouse or even now Blumhouse Tilt, you're going to be in for something that's going to be interesting and showcases the artistry of filmmaking. You know, because they really I mean, I believe Blumhouse was also Get Out. Yeah. So Jordan Peele's yeah. directorial horror film, like his debut was a horror filmmaker an like, Oscar is, winning writer yeah I mean it, it, it nurtures that it's, it's a filmmaker nurturing thing so with Lee wan Al, I think he's always been used to these lower budgets and you're right his imagination when he sits down with Blumhouse and then it becomes a well, what do I need to take out what do I need to slim down to fit this budget and how can I do this creatively it's a good thing because he turns out an entertaining film
2: There are some some aspects that I think he slimmed down a little too much because I think one of my, I don't want to say bones to pick, but one of my issues with this film is that there were a lot of plot holes, um, a, a lot of plot holes that really bothered me, but the, the action and you know the storytelling in what we had kind of made up for it but you know just the whole idea if we're gonna go into writing sure, the whole idea like the, the backstory of how come like where did this company even come from who is this mysterious blonde dude who's running it or who's creating this like uh what's his purpose and who is he you know um who who's his boss so like they're there just wasn't enough backstory for me to understand like why this is happening. I know it was happening, but I was like, "What started it all?" And and, and some ideas that uh, like she so so the wife Asher like she has a very well to do job. She she works with technology. But everywhere they go, they're in, it seems like, the slums of the town. It was like, things just didn't match up, or there was a lot of technology here, no technology in this location, technology in this location. They, they Some things just didn't connect, and I felt like there were just plot holes that weren't answered.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. I, I I, wouldn't necessarily use the word plot holes, I think just questions, maybe. Um, but when we talk about paring down things, like, What I did think was interesting, perhaps some of that was missing for you, but I do think that at least it did force him to take away some of the action and force in some of the stronger ideas or the notions that get brought up, especially with science fiction. I felt that, you know, and it it is one of those tricky parts of especially a science fiction, that, that balance of answering questions and posing questions, because part of the fun certainly for us is talking about all those open-ended things and yeah you're right you know what's the universe like what's this and so i don't know
2: i mean i understood what was happening like they gave us enough information to be like okay this person is this person this is they're doing x y and z but some things just didn't match up like and i don't mean to sound like i'm jumping all over the place but when he goes to when uh true the which one? Oh my gosh I, I'm Logan Marshall Green. Um, when his character goes to the first guy that he's tracking down it's like in this boony area and run down place and like the guy that the criminal guy had a nice car crappy house but a nice working technology table so there's just like there was some only technology when it felt like it was convenient for the moment
0: yeah my only counter to that is the world of Blade Runner Blade Runner is a technor where there's a lot of slummy areas in LA, and the, and the, the, and the technology hasn't upgraded the, the the homes, the apartments, the hotels, or whatnot. But I mean, more to the point, like I felt that they set up who this um, who who this who who that doctor gentleman was whose whose name I I'm, please forgive me the blonde haired guy
1: uh, the 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 the, 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 the blonde- entrepreneur yeah the entrepreneur.
0: Okay. Yeah, Aaron. So Aaron and 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 then uh Gray, Logan Marshall Green, his wife worked for the competing company. Like Aaron ran a multi-gazillion dollar high-tech company. She worked for the competing company. I mean, they had that dialogue where she was producing limbs, artificial limbs for 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 people who went off to war, lost their limbs, and things like that. He was working for the, the the competing company, so to me, I got that all along. And he showcased this chip, this this stem. millimeter, yes, yeah, stem, um, which would, if put into market, could potentially put her business, her corporation, um, under. Uh, you know, there wouldn't be the use of, of prosthetic limbs, artificial limbs. And there was this whole uh, business espionage where people were stealing. Fi- Look, they had people who were working for his wife's company who were the villains of the henchmen, let's say, and the upgrades that they were getting to their bodies. So there was that whole subculture, you know, I, 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 that, that, that I parsed out. Um, only through like the dialogue and the findings of, of of things, you know the there were certain things. I mean, yeah, plot holes, yeah. yeah. But again, when I go into a B movie like this, I'm not expecting. I, I sort of kind of expect it going in. It's how are we how how are you going to entertain me? What are you going to do? And its ultimate core story like, works. Like, there were certain situations that you wouldn't walk into. How do you, like, keep this a secret from your mom? And, like, yeah, there was stuff like that.
1: Let me, to me, me, let me see if this is the central idea for you guys. Uh, I've never seen, we've seen a lot of movies, and when we talk about artificial intelligence, it's, you brought up Blade Runner, right? More human than human. We talk a lot about emotions for, for robots and so forth but I've never yet seen sort of an emotion of jealousy, right? so uh, it, there's a core to a lot of these where we idealize artificial intelligence. It's like, no, they're human. You know, they're just like us. They deserve rights and, and so forth. And to me, this really stems from a place of jealousy on the part of STEM because that's he's trying to eliminate everyone else but him. And he's trying to be the only one. Did you guys have a similar reading and... And if so, what are the ramifications of that?
2: Yeah, kind of. Um, it, I mean, if we're going to get into the twist at the end. Yeah, let's do it. STEM let's do is, it. wants autonomy. I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, yeah, this is where, you know, eventually technology is going to bite everybody in the ass. Um, I thought that was nice because we, we slowly saw the progression of STEM. Like, we had to get his... Uh, permission and approval to do x y and z and then when we take things away from stem and reboot it and i'm like oh no i had that thought i was like what's happening to stem now if you're like taking off the limits (coughs) taking off the the boundaries of stem so we knew stem was going to progress throughout uh the movie to the end of autonomy and i thought that was actually very executed very well did i see it coming no not really honestly no not not to the point where stem had such a high intelligence that he wanted the the control of the mind in one area and control of the body in a whole another area. I thought that was pretty well done. But
1: but my greater point is that it's it's for a selfish reason. You know like when you look at sort of machines or any of this stuff it's like there's a greater good and there's you know we're saving humanity by destroying them or something along those lines and yet it's completely for selfish reasons. Well
0: but here's it's Terminator, is what it is. Stem becomes self-aware. He becomes stem is artificial intelligence. Stem manipulates the situation so that st- he's basically. Uh, what, what, why can't I think of uh, the company in Terminator that comes alive?
2: Genesis.
0: No, no. it's not Genesis. Skynet. Skynet. Skynet
2: yeah.
0: Stem is a form Skynet. of Skynet. Skynet becomes aware and says, boop, I'm better than you, (laughs) I'm wiping people out. STEM becomes aware. It's basically what it is. He manipulates the pieces of this puzzle so that he can get, that he, that STEM can get what it wants and STEM itself has given itself an upgrade. Now it can take over a human form and now it can pretty much go wherever it wants to go not too much unlike if you think about it Ex Machina in the ending of that movie where we had an artificial intelligence escape this compound and is now free in the world to do whatever it wants to do that's really a theme that's really not unlike what's happening in Upgrade yeah
2: yeah I'm oh, sorry my, my whole question was uh, like at the end of the film when he's walking out and we've realized that STEM has planned this all along, even before he got implanted into Gray. Uh, I, I was just wondering, like, how smart was STEM to begin with? Even even because he was even manipulating his own creator um, before he, he was even implanted. So I was like, how high is this artificial intelligence already? Well,
1: quite high. I mean, it, it One of the things I appreciated about the, the ending, right, when we talk about the twist, to me it's... Yes, it's the twist that Stem was the the puppeteer of all of this from the get go. But then we get that great moment where I was ready to throw something at the screen. I was like, "It was all a dream." And then you're like, "Oh wait, it's a dream for him now." But it wasn't. It wasn't.
0: Yeah, yeah it was. A, it was a nice twist, and I was the same way going. Oh no, come on! See that that really is first time filmmaking, <laughs> <laughs> breaking the like, you know, faux pas. But. It was cleverly done. Yeah. I sort of kind of like it. Okay, so we talk B-movie, right? So you had the Twilight Zone, and then there was this offshoot, an offshoot, but you had the Outer Limits, which wasn't exactly the Twilight Zone, really stayed in science fiction. This was an Outer Limits episode. I'm not meaning it any less, but it had that Outer Outer Limits twist, you know, because that was a show, and that's what this
2: sort of kind of is. I felt like this was Black Mirror's cousin, honestly. With, Which with stems from yeah. the Twilight Which, Zone. Exactly, and so, it, it
1: goes yeah. in the, along the same vein. I, I feel like we should do a whole show of what we can compare this to, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. You, as far as anything though on record, Terminator's the most similar one, simply because Lee says that's the that's the thing that gave him inspiration. I'm sure all these other things play a factor into it. Uh, that's just the one he explicitly states. Let's uh, let's get into the 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 meat of the story though of how we got there and all that. Um, for me, Logan Marshall Green, I, I, he's known for a lot, but I actually liked him in a, a small show called Quarry. Okay, mm. didn't have a long run, only eight episodes and one and done type of deal. Uh, but but I think he. I think he works well for the story, especially kind of carrying it and having that duality of trying to be himself and yet being being overtaken. I thought I, I thought it worked really well. Um, I want to let me ask you guys this in terms of a question: the tracking of his emotions and the control he has over his state of being. Let's say, how did you guys feel that worked?
0: Are we talking about gray Grey. We're talking about Grey, yeah, the character.
1: Yeah, Grey, the character. Thoughts? I,
2: I thought it was, um, I thought his acting was actually pretty good. Um, I, I've seen Logan Marshall Green in a little show called O.C., which lasted <laughs> a little longer than Quark. Uh, so I, I liked his acting from the start. I, and I liked the progression of the emotions because you can tell that he, he was a loving husband, he got injured, literally... Gave up on life, where he tried to kill himself, and then when um, and then the the whole spectrum of going like, what the hell is happening to me? When STEM is first starting to control him, to the fighting where it's like oh, I have no control. So like you saw this broad range of different emotions: anger, depression, um, and then even at the end when he is trying to control STEM, because I like the fact that Gray still had his conscience. He still knew what was right and wrong this whole time. Um, yeah, he knew he couldn't control some of his emotions, but he never really wanted to kill anyone. He just wanted to stop them or maim them enough so he could, like, get the answers that he needed. He never wanted to kill people, um, even when he knows he has the ability to. But, uh, like, I like he still was a good guy, despite everything his body was doing.
0: Yeah, I actually liked uh, him in this movie. Uh, I, the first time I noticed him was in Prometheus, and he played one of the dumb scientists, and I was like, well, when you can't get Tom Hardy, you get this guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is the guy, And but then he was in this other low-budget horror film called The Invitation, and he was really good in that movie, right? So I'm watching him in this movie going, yeah, this guy is good, particularly when he's given... Like so, so, some decent story. Um, <clears throat> he has a lot to do, and and I believe that the movie, well, the movie's on his shoulders. Had had you picked a lesser actor or somebody else, may not have worked so well. Uh, but he handled himself from both the emotional side and the action side. And he did. He did very well. He was uh, charismatic enough, where he draws your attention on screen. I believed in his relationship with his wife. I also believed in in, in his sorrow, uh, and as to what is what's happening to him, uh, and and then the loss of control. Uh, again, to make a com- a quick comparison, we're going to see something later on this summer that trailers have already been playing for, but Venom. So if you've watched the Venom trailer, there are scenes where Tom Hardy is doing things with Venom going, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Symbiotic relationship with something. This is technology. I think that he got it right. And he does a really good job, uh, particularly considering how everything was staged and choreographed with camera movements. Um, He's believable in the action scenes and uh stay
2: down man just stay Stay, yeah i love that (laughs) uh
1: so this is kind of more behind the scenes but it does it does kind of talk about their the relationship between stem and him Uh, the actor simon maiden who who voiced them he actually was on set voicing it in real time and that was Mm -hmm. a very deliberate notion uh in some sense, you, I, I, the way I look at it, a costly notion, you know, because you can get a guy in to the ADR booth for like one to two days versus how many days on set just talking to the guy, but. As far as the result, it, it's evident on screen that, that he is really reacting to, and, and they are reacting to each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated that as far as the technique.
0: So in a little behind the scenes, too, according to one L too. The hiring or, 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 or casting Logan Marshall Green, he says, was not an audition process. They were having a tough time. And talk about... I don't mean any disrespect to Logan Marshall Green, but talk about, like, they, they, they were thinking sky high at first, right? People that they were thinking about, Jake Gyllenhaal, Christian Bale. Uh, these are big movie stars, which you would understand because they're a marquee name that can get people in. But then when you talk about budget, <laughs> that's a different story. They yeah. might not want to take that pay cut, right? I think they would have done really well, but... You understand? So, uh, even when L uh, mentions the invitation, and uh, apparently he came to his house, he had some notes. You roll your eyes when you hear that. Oh, God, here come the notes, Lewin L says. And his were really great. He actually thought about the script and the story. And there was nothing flippant about the way he talked about sharing mm-hmm. his ideas. And Lewin L was like, done. You're part of this collaborative process and you're doing it in a way that means you really took the time and care to read my script. I like that.
1: Well, it also shows that he he knows the character, right? If you're going to embody someone like that, yeah, you have to be pretty intimate as far as knowing the history of it, right? That fills out the plot holes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He he knew (laughs) his character. Yes.
1: Indeed. Uh, And
0: again, it's a sci-fi trope, too, when you have... We're in a world of technology. Cars can drive themselves. And he's an actual old-school car mechanic. He puts these cars... He rebuilds old-school engine cars with catalytic converters and mufflers and spark plugs. So he's the old-school guy who sort of shrugs technology off, and his wife is the person who works in tech. Um, So that's one of those aversion to tech but yet it's tech that i like the gender flip on that Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i mean not to i mean i love how women are getting better storylines in hollywood but usually you see the guys in the technology and not the women so i like how they gave her a big role within the technological world
1: do we find it a case of fridging in this movie where she dies (laughs) for the purposes of his motivation yeah. We've talked about fridging in the past, but for those of you unaware, it's where in order for the male protagonist to, to have a motive to move forward, the, you know, usually the wife gets killed off mur- or But it's brave. a demeaning
0: way in which the woman is treated. I don't think she was demeaned by her murder, so to speak, in a sense. Like, she wasn't put in the refrigerator, you know. I mean, not she- literally, but... Mm-hmm. No, but, you know, the death came...
2: But he's the reason why he's going and investing everything and, no. and keeps going to each location and each guy and, inter- and interrogating oh, it, everybody. It, it's
0: Death Wish. I mean, it's, that's the story of Death Wish. It's coming, seeking revenge of the people who hurt you and your family who took them away from you when it's going to find, hunt those bad guys down and do them some harm. So something had to motivate, if she lived then it becomes a completely different story she 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 dies um and and again you want to talk a little bit of a plot hole it sort of kind of amazed me that it took them so long to figure out that that guy didn't have a gun it took three years was it three months? It, it, huh? Three months. Three months, like and years. and that detective, like she wasn't a very good detective. Let's just say that. And, and it's like, wow, STEM. I completely secret, agree. Yeah. she wasn't a great was detective, awful. and um, yeah, it took her that long. And like she still didn't realize that they didn't have a gun. It was weird because when the wife gets shot, it was like, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the bullet gun on her in a while. But the emotional heft, and and again, she dies early on in the movie, right? So you have to sort of kind of be a little bit sappy with their relationship to sort of draw you in so that when if you want any emotional impact, it's it's from the Paul Verhoeven school of of, I'm going to kill a main character off in the very beginning. You really don't know the person. I'm talking Robocop. I got to make the death extremely violent so that you can care for the person you really don't know. And here you just make it sort of You know that they're in love with one another so that when it comes, there is an emotional half for the audience in one way, shape or form. But
2: also like Robocop, he personally was affected, too. Like his body didn't be wasn't uh, capable of the regular human motion anymore. Just like Gray in this movie, like he was paralyzed. So, Yeah. yeah, he lost his wife, but also he lost his ability to just live out a normal human life as well. And so I think, yeah, it definitely became just a personal motivation to get the story moving. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It, but it was at that point, too, it was like, well, they killed her. Why didn't they kill him? They mm-hmm. left him a quadriplegic. That's well, the why? And as soon as that doctor showed up at the hospital, I was like, he did this. He's orchestrated this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because there was no reason to keep him alive after a mugging. So, and, and he witnessed his wife getting killed. So, uh, there had to have been uh, a reason. They just didn't realize that shooting the wife, which she wasn't actually supposed to get killed, she, she was just gets, collateral you know, damage. Huge collateral damage. That ends up being the instigation. That, 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 that's the inspiration for our Gray to go out. And, and when he's able to walk again, he wants to do a better job than the detective. Because she really, yeah, I mean, yeah she, she really was is not awful. a good detective. Well,
2: the problem is during <laughs> that whole the shooting, you know, that shootout part, like the guy took off his mask. It was like with all the technology you have around you, with all the drones in the air, there's, I'd imagine you have facial recognition and the fact that it's been three months and you still don't know who these guys are. With all the technology presented literally in front of your faces in your office, you have all these screens and you can't get one answer. So it really bothered me when technology worked when it needed to, to for the storyline and then it didn't work when it didn't need to.
0: Yeah, I just took her as, she was just not good at her job. <laughs> she just really wasn't.
2: She tried. I'm like I'll give her And that. she was
0: looking like, at the wrong, you know, she was great at finding out gray. <laughs> Doing stuff, right? But no, you should be
2: finding out who the bad guys are,
0: you know, and why Gray is doing
1: this. Yeah, Uh, I don't, I don't disagree with you guys.
2: Technology like worked (laughs) at only when it was convenient for them.
1: Let me ask you this: in that case, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting that Gray starts off so anti-technology overall, Mm -hmm. and the crush of the movie is that well, he in in order to serve this greater thing, he has to accept technology, right? Yes. And obviously it kind of, from my perspective, bites him in the ass. Whether or not you disagree, you can tell me uh, in a moment. But so the, I just find it interesting because I think it goes beyond just technology. There's this notion that like if you're so against something, but then when for or you can look at it as a selfish reason, that something comes along and and can help you, then you know what? All bets are off because it serves your greater good, maybe not the greater good of things in general.
2: Right, and I think the only reason why he actually said yes to the operation was the exact line that was actually fed from STEM to Aaron, what would your wife do? And when you bring it back into the wife, the wife would be uh, accepting of the technology and say, do the operation. So that's the only reason why, because we had the wife's motivation. Yeah, it was
0: brought to an emotional level. And again, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, from a technology standpoint, it, you know, why wouldn't you try? I mean, you know, you're so desperate. But it was very interesting that once it was implanted, and once he was able to walk and jog and run again on a treadmill. Uh, very $6 million manish, by the way, is when they had him running on the treadmill. Um, that, that was something else that I couldn't help but think of. He, he was like, wow, this is actually sort of kind of cool. So much so that when he was told he had to keep it a secret and that he couldn't walk everywhere, he was sort of attached. Like rightfully so, yeah. Like, red well,
2: flag. Like I can't show this.
0: What do you mean I can't? I can't walk to the store and buy my own groceries. I can't drive a car. Well, what the hell, man? Why'd you do this to me? If I can't benefit from what, what's going on, um, so I think he accepted. Uh, he could walk again, use his arms. Um, he was able to find things out, but and, and I think he accepted it so much that when he was told that he couldn't use it it's like well what the hell did you do to me this what did you do this to me for uh yeah i I like that you know it was only towards the end when he started realizing i'm being taken over and that's not a good thing so all my rights about technology were right damn i'm a robot (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm I'm stem (laughs) Well, that i can do
1: i mean that's what i'm saying it's kind of he did get kicked in the ass
0: him in the
2: ass, as you said. Yeah, say. Aaron tried shut him, shutting him down remotely. It's like, it, yeah, the red flags would be confidentiality and, and all you know, like an NDA or whatever. Uh, the uh, NDA, it's like, don't tell anyone. Yeah, that should be a red flag. Uh, yeah, he should have asked those questions before he did the operation.
1: But but, but I guess the, the greater question is, f- forget, like, just the story of this. Like, as far as... What it represents as a larger whole to society. It, it, I think NDAs, no NDAs, we just kind of we accept things on a surface level because, oh, this will be great. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah.
0: And it goes to, I'm going to paraphrase that great Blade Runner quote. I'll just say, technology is either a benefit or a hazard. If it's a benefit, it's not my problem. Like, you know, and, and it, technology can be a tool until Skynet becomes uh, self-aware and decides to blow up the human race. And that's what we're, at. That's what we're sort of kind of seeing here, the, the upgrade of technology.
1: The upgrade, indeed. What a great title, huh?
0: <laughs> it was a good title for this. Yeah, I think it's multiple a better title than
2: STEM. It's multiple meanings.
1: Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, let's shift gears and talk about uh, the, the action choreography. Because it is vastly different than a lot of things that I've seen. Although I can't say I haven't seen something similar. And what I can reference to is, remember uh, the bathroom fight scene in The World's End? Mm-hmm. For those of you that remember, it, well, it, yeah. it's just, it, it's the notion that you're kind of seeing the action in a very wide shot. And things are spinning and twisting because the camera is held stationary. And so you're kind of strapped onto something and, and pretty much quite literally that's how they pulled it off right um, as they uh, as they explain you actually take an iPhone and strap it under the actor's clothes and the camera lens locks onto the phone so whenever the phone moves it sits in a housing like motion control and the Steadicam operator and the steady cam operator would hold this camera housing and the camera would sit in a swivel and whenever logan moved it would go
0: right that's brilliant
2: yeah they they, <laughs>
0: they he sort of likened it to he said uh the Matrix invented, like, bullet time. That was mm-hmm. the very first time where we saw the multiple camera and camera mm-hmm. go around to see all the action. He says, i got to come up with a cool name of what I did. He goes, the lockdown camera, maybe? <laughs> so I still think he needs a little work on that. But we're getting there. We
2: I thought the fighting was awesome. The
0: fight scenes were um, really especially good.
2: Especially the, the, the moments where you just see the body get up from the floors straight up. It's like, yeah, we see that move in Matrix all the time. But the way the camera moved with the, the actor, that was cool. And like they show that in the trailer. That's why I was like, this movie looks awesome. Because yeah. just the cinematography and how it captured uh, when he was walking like straight towards the camera. In the background is still... It, it's it's kind of in motion but it's still static at the same time and you're like how the hell did they pull that off motion control has been around for years so I, I like how they married the two to make it look static but also there's motion to it
0: yeah absolutely it's I think, paradox the, I in think itself. the fight scenes and according to the audience that I saw it with at my local theater were something that we really haven't seen before and up to this point Let's think about it, right? We've seen Marvel movies. We've seen Star Wars movies. And it's this little micro budgeted B movie that is showing us this summer something that we really haven't seen before. And it looks cool. When he gets up and he's like moving his arm, like, and that's the other thing too that I'm going to give Logan Marshall Green credit for his choreography uh, and the way that he moved it was very precise, like, you would figure STEM would be, uh, but it showed us stuff in a way that we haven't seen before. And I think from its low budget, it was that forced creativity. Had he had, I don't know, twenty five million dollars to work with, we may not have gotten this. It may have looked better, or not better. It may. I'm sorry. It may have looked different.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. not necessarily it, better, though.
1: A couple. Of, it's the cinematography that goes into it. I think the the sound effects themselves, but also there's a added layer of humor to it, to to the choreography that much like the cinematography makes it sp- it spins on its head, right? right? And it, it, it's just fun to watch in that way because uh, it doesn't it doesn't take itself too seriously. As you mentioned, Marissa, like just stay down, just stay down. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, stay and down. yet you're watching this very serious fight scene, the culmination of which. Is one of the most brutal things I've ever seen with a full knife to the through the. the, I'm not even going to describe it.
0: Yes, but 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 let's talk about this for one second, right? We didn't. We saw the aftermath, sound effects, and it Mm. was locked on Logan Marshall Green. It was mark. It was locked on Gray, and all we heard (laughs) is and screaming, and it was only. We didn't actually see. The yeah. rapid knife cuts. So again, when you're working low budget, this is a great way that you can do that. Use the you
2: imagination. You
0: have the audience with sound effects, a good actor. You could have the you could have the audience imagine anything. What you may have visualized and what Marissa visualized and I visualized, they could have been on different levels of gruesome. <laughs> And then trust, we see what happens. And, trust me, it was yeah, gruesome. Yeah, it was gruesome.
2: <laughs> I think the first guy when he went to the house and the whole oh. knife to the mouth head. Yeah. oh, that was painful to look at. Yeah. Good Lord. And, and then it
1: gets culminated by the joke of like, hey, take out the fingerprints. Oh, how am I supposed to know? I know.
2: <laughs> I have and just, a record. I'm just like, and,
1: okay, that, it was just, it, it was a, it was a funny beat to end on for something that ended so gruesome. Yeah, yeah. I, f-
2: I felt like all the action moments had a lev beat of levity, where um you know stayed on and all that, or like ninja. I am not a ninja, or uh, when he's even rebooting sis- uh, stem, he's like, uh, welcome back. You know, um, <laughs> y- there's always like that one beat, be like, okay, here's some humor, and now we're gonna get some death.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, What's interesting, I couldn't find... I, I'd be very curious, but when we talk about the cinematography itself, Stefan uh, Duccio, um, I apologize for the butchering of the name. He's the cinematographer, but he says that the fight scenes were a technique he used in a music video. So, in a sense, he kind of recycled his own bit. Um, I'm unable to, to find the name of the music video itself, though. So I apologize for that. If you guys want to leave a comment... In, for everyone's benefit, to let them know what the music video is, by all means, do that. Um, secondly, uh, um, as far as the color and, and so forth, uh, it's been compared to Nicholas Wending Reffin. Um, as far as the drive, yeah, drive, yeah
0: I can yeah. see that for sure. I love Absolutely. the red, the yeah. red
2: and blue. I um, mean, it did. There were hints
0: yeah. for me, anyways, too, of, of Blade Runner to an extent. The only thing, okay, so going to your <laughs> technology. Uh, analogy like so there's all this technology around right Mm -hmm. cars even they even took time to make the cars look different even helicopters most everything looked different except for the clothes there was nothing like the clothes just looked like they were bought today Mm -hmm. (laughs) clothes fashion has not changed in whatever i forget how many years in the future this movie took place I don't think they well,
2: said... Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. And, and that's why I had a hard time just establishing where we all were. And it's like, okay, our, I imagine we're sometime in the future, but not the too far distant future. Because they still had regular cars um, mm-hmm. on, on the highway. We saw regular cars getting crashed. and then, But every time we had the, the automatic car, the self-driving car, it looked like a more souped-up Prius.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, but the... And again, I like the... Um, the inside is like a computer screen, and, and then its, opa- its opacity can change,
2: mm-hmm. and it becomes
0: a window. Um, the whole thing about hacking, hacking a car, uh, is. Uh, but that's is not very new. Interesting. No, I mean, it, well, we we it in a Fast and the Furious. Yeah, uh, we saw. A whole There's an episode of Criminal Minds that cars were a hacked. Bunch of- so um, it's 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 interesting. Um, I liked how the cars looked, but um, and again, we're we what I what I appreciated is that it was futuristic, but not so far futuristic. There was stuff that was still we could root into what we're seeing daily. Except again, for the clothing, it just looked like. Wow. And I'm not a fashion guy, but it's one thing that stuck out to me is like that hasn't changed at all in whatever world this is.
2: I At mean, least Blade Runner looked like it was yeah. in the future. I mean, I, I think
1: there is a side to it when you talk about, like, kind of the f- the, the first time directing Bug and, and whatnot. Uh, I, as far as the production design side of it, I, I will side a little bit more with Marissa. Simply, like, when we first meet Aaron, like, we go into this thing, and it's just, like, it's there just to be cool. And it's cool. It is, but it was...
2: It's, it's a concrete house. <laughs> underground,
1: underground. No, but
0: again I'm going to go back to the low budget thing of this like what are they actually doing they found a location in which they can walk down and disappear and look as if they're walking down I don't know if that, that stone gateway exists it looks as if it did but I, it, I found that that was a cool way to approach something where we don't have to show the exterior of this house we don't really have to do much. We can have them here, and then they walk down. And who knows if they were even walking steps. They could do the fake, I'm getting yeah, smaller and smaller perfect. and smaller. I- <laughs> and then we show them on a set that we built.
1: I mean, again, it's just—it's it, quite eccentric. And obviously, sure. Aaron is is, mm-hmm. is an extren- eccentric person. But uh, sometimes it's eccentric for the sake of... Ex-
2: but <laughs> was he really eccentric because my my problem was aaron like we know nothing about him other than the fact that he knows how to actually physically create stem but he ended up being a bitch like i he, he ended up being a puppet and being a, a slave to the stem so and like i yeah he was mysterious at the point i was like is he the villain should we trust him in, in that sense? But then when, you know, with the whole reveal, he's like, I was just following commands of STEM. He ended up being nobody. Well,
0: I don't think he was nobody. I mean, I, I honestly do believe that he was a character. I mean, he built a multi million dollar tech corp. He was high into technology. And he was he created STEM. He was trying to get it tested. He needed, he wanted, he, and he needed to find a way in which to get this out into the marketplace. It, it In fact, when the wife first meets him, and without knowing who he is by looks, but once she realizes who he is, she goes, oh my God, you're Iran, you're that Iran." It's like, yeah, she knew of who he was, just from his, he's almost like uh the Bill Gates, uh, so to speak, and he's a big in the tech company. And again, I'll, I'll reference Ex Machina, the Isaac almost um, uh, uh, Oscar Isaacs, I should say, uh, the Oscar Isaac's character. He's somewhat of a mystery too. Yet he's created a ton of technology, f- you know, for the world and is noted. But he's very isolated. Yeah, it's like, that's what happens when you isolate yourself. Yeah, that's what much. happens. Yeah, you do. You sort too of kind much. of lose your mind <laughs> when when you have in. He, that character even admitted. I don't have much social grace. No, but you know, when, when we
2: first I, see Aaron, he's playing with a cloud, uh, a dark cloud, which literally establishes his character as a very moody guy, or at least melancholy on some level. So I was just, there were so many things about Aaron that I had questions for that were never answered. So again, that adds to my whole quote unquote plot hole problem. Yeah, I
0: didn't, again, for me, I didn't need anything answered. He was just a wicked, smart guy who's a little bit.
2: His well, head's in the clouds instead of his ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly.
0: Yeah, he, you know, um, he's just trying to... And I actually did feel that he was trying to create something that could have been for the benefit of humanity rather than a detriment. Um, he didn't want STEM to n- take over, so to speak. And and even at that point, Lee Whannell talks of Iran saying... He's, you know, Stem was his child. And it's like, even had he hacked in and shut Stem down before Gray um, went to the hacker, he would have taken Stem back to the lab and he would have turned him back on again. So it was just a question of... His motivation and what he was trying to do, and I felt that it was it. Like I didn't need backstory of where Irun came from. He was just a wicked smart guy who built super technology, and he was awkward around people.
1: To that notion of of a child, socially inept, socially
0: inept. I like that. (laughs) Yes,
1: Lee Wan L did compare uh, this movie as as very much like a child. You know, you go into it with a certain idea, but then it takes its own form. And it grows as, it, as you know the project continues on, and it goes the direction that it wants to go, not necessarily that you had in mind for it, but he doesn't, he cites that in the best of ways, yeah. you know rather than like, oh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted." so I, I think that's a quite an interesting thing. The other thing I want, I want to talk about the sound design and and the music, in particular the the voice of using narration as credits. As as part of the opening logo, I I've never heard it before. Where Blumhouse it was presents.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: we've heard narration, but never Blumhouse presents. We've never
0: had it. We've never ha- had title cards necessarily narrated mm. to us, and it stopped right about the time that the title would come up. Yeah. And you're right, blo- and there are a lot of title cards. Sure. <laughs> okay. You know, it, but I again, it, I saw something and heard something that I'd never seen and or, or heard in a movie before. It's like wow, they're narrating this in a computer voice. I thought it was sort of cool.
2: I thought it was cool, and it was just a good kind of establishment slash mm-hmm. foreshadowing of what we were gonna see Absolutely. in the film. Knowing that <sighs> Stem was playing with the sound waves in in Gray's head, I was like, ah. Yeah, uh, the whole audio wavelengths actually did play a big part in this movie. Yeah,
1: that they did. That was such an interesting way to open up a movie for sure. Uh, Speaking of opening up, uh, well, let's talk about the music, right? What did you guys... uh, The interesting part for me was that it was serious at times it needed to be, but then overall, it had, especially in the fight choreography, it Mm -hmm. had this sort of... I don't want to say upbeat but, or jovial, but, but something wasn't as serious, let's say, right? hmm. as was, was on the surface. What did you guys think of it?
0: It was tech-heavy. It was okay. Yeah, I found it to be tech-heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was For the purposes of this movie, I didn't find that it overpowered. Uh, I don't think there was a scene in which it dominated what was taking place. I thought it was a good bed, not a soundtrack that I would necessarily upload, download, or purchase so that I can listen to it many times over again, but I think for the purposes of this movie, I think they, what they set out to do, they accomplished. Yep.
1: And Jed Palmer, by the way, is, is the one who has done it. Marcia, what, what were your thoughts?
2: I, th- I mean, I like the music, especially during the, the fighting choreography. Tech, it, it sounded like something you can kind of hear in mm-hmm. a club. Um, But also it could be like a nice uh, bed underneath the for the storyline and felt like it kind of came like or it was more inspired by like a black mirror. I could hear this music in a black mirror episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked it. It it felt technology futuristic, but yet still subtle in uh, orchestra.
1: Right. Well, speaking of all of this, the culmination of all this work it got him a, It got him an audience award at South by Southwest back in March mm-hmm. uh, so kudos to them and i I could see why you know um, and overall i 'm glad we 're talking about it because it is a, a really, really small movie as far as certainly its budget, but then we also talk about some of the movies we talk about its marketing budget is bigger than most movies I ever dream of making. <laughs> Uh, and so as one else said, you know, not a lot of budget behind it for promotion. So he's very happy about that, that it is getting out there, um, in the ways that it is getting.
0: Yeah. He, well, this is an interesting, uh, this is an upgrade in a sense, or at least a hybrid. So we have Blumhouse tilt. Okay. So this, um, an offshoot of Blumhouse, Blumhouse falls under the, uh, universal pictures umbrella. Uh, currently, although The Conjuring I know are are, are Warner Brothers, but for the most part, they're making movies now for Universal. Uh, But they incorporated Blumhouse Tilt incorporated uh, an indie company called Neon. We know Neon through Itanya. That's what they've made their bones Mm. from, okay? Mm -hmm. And the way that it sort of kind of is working out is that Neon is handling or handled the marketing for this movie where Uh, Universal took the marketing, uh, a lot of the in-theater marketing materials, right? And Universal, with their clout, was able to get posters or uh, uh, trailers uh, up on screen. And they used the clout of the Universal distribution department to get the movie in 1,500 locations. Personally, I think there is a conflict there, and I'm not saying that Universal, like, go one way or the other. And if you're going to be indie and you're going to have this little offshoot, I think Neon has proved that they can, A, open a picture, B, that they can have a, a, a picture that gets good reviews. And this has gotten good reviews, uh, uh, that that they can keep a picture in theaters. Now, Blumhouse, though, at the same time, they don't want to cannibalize themselves because in July you've got uh, you're going to have The Purge coming out. So, and then later on in October, you'll have Halloween. Not that not that this movie upgrade is going to be around until October, but theaters probably there's some deal in place where theaters have to play Upgrade for so many, you know, amount of weeks. But I think, in a sense, it almost hurt them because trying to get... They're almost... They're doing this to each other. They're fighting each other because Universal is not going to want to take a Purge trailer off screen to put up Upgrade. And remember, it's Blumhouse, right? So it's all falling under this. They don't want to cannibalize what they have going on screen. So it's tough. And I'm not sure that the release date necessarily helped either company out because you are coming sort of kind of close to the purge date, okay? Mm -hmm. And trailer placement, there wasn't a ton. You saw it online a lot, and it got a lot of buzz. Going into a theater, you had to take secondary pictures. You weren't getting on the... Opening weekend of big movies, you would you would see the Purge trailer instead. If that, if does any of this make sense?
1: Like, a little, yeah.
0: Okay, so you had that going into play, and I think from a marketing standpoint, it, it's too bad. I think it sort of hurt this movie because you did get great word of mouth, you got really good reviews, but if Universal they have to do this job, but they got the Purge coming out, and they want that to be big for Fourth of July. Which movie are they paying attention to a little bit more?
1: Purge. Purge.
2: So, and Purge has a franchise behind it already. Correct. So
1: And it's just done so good for everyone. Yeah. I'm referencing the, the, the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> Remember <laughs> so, how...
0: Yeah. And, and, we'll be, and that's why I think Upgrade, had it been released maybe in February, or maybe we're not so close to a, a Blumhouse picture, Mm -hmm. It would have been given its time to breathe and those reviews would have uh, really saturated the marketplace and we'd have seen some more trailer placement. I think it is a movie that deserved a little bit more than what was given to it. And it was also a first time. This Blumhouse tilt, I think it was an experiment for them too to see what they would be able to accomplish by working with neon pictures and things. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I don't think it was a complete failure. Uh, I wish that it had been a little more of a success. That's all.
1: Fair enough. Well, as far as all that, uh, you know, he did say, well, now that if it did well in the box office, although at the moment, given projections and what's happening, he doesn't feel like it, it, it's going to warrant a sequel. Which is, here's the thing. I, I didn't need a sequel necessarily to begin with, so I'm not too upset, but uh, I do want him to be able to create more movies mm-hmm. so make another movie rather than a sequel is right. my opinion Yeah. so I still want it to do well it, it, 86% on Rotten Tomatoes last time I checked it, pretty high pretty high
0: considering the genre of movie we're talking about yeah it's it's pretty high it's higher than Solo on Rotten Tomatoes
1: yeah that's uh, incredible um, as they as they cite it um it's a highbrow, lowbrow gem from Bulma House, and it's exactly sort of stick, uh, sick, satisfying uh, genre flick you, you want smuggled in among the big-ticket summer blockbusters right now.
2: Yeah,
0: and I, I said that at the top, too. I okay agree with that. <laughs> These are the movies that are important to our business. We can't have movies of this budget go away because they, they help elevate our box office. Not only do they help elevate – they give us a good variety of things to, to, to view. They give us a different they give us a different viewpoint. They'll give us a different view period. This isn't this isn't an Avengers movie. This isn't a solo movie or any other kind of a tentpole. pole. This is low budget. Well we're gonna see something different that we go in. Maybe not the most original story in the world, but we're still gonna see something different that's visceral and exciting and thrilling. And we'll come out going that's good. It helps propel our box office, and push it up a little bit more. A little. Not a lot. People aren't going to get overly rich from this movie, but it's still good for the business that these movies are allowed, uh, that they can remain in the marketplace.
2: But you can tell this was a movie that was strictly creative, um, passion-fueled. It's not, like you said, it's not a temple, but it it is one of those films that you just want to put it out there because it's a fun to watch. It allows people to still have fun movies to watch and give them a different option other than movies that only are created just for money. This oh, was created because of creativity, because of a story, because uh, people just wanted to do it, make a film and they put it out there, so good for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. When, I was, when I was waiting, I uh, was waiting in a concession line um, and somebody said, what's this upgrade movie? And I turned around and I said, you should go see it if you haven't. You seem like you know you like this genre. Go see it. It's it's a good movie. It really it's fun. It's you know I don't think people would be disappointed. We're not disappointed. No, no, no. Uh, Simon, I talked with him uh, from Meet a, the
1: Movie Press. Yeah,
0: Simon from Meet the Movie Press, uh, which I was just on earlier today. Uh, but a lot of people I've spoken to who's, who've seen the movie went out and said said you know what I had a good time.
1: Well, and the uh, the other benefit of it of these smaller movies is that for in order to get to the bigger movies, you gotta start somewhere and you kinda build your skill set, your toolbox, and you get to that level where you can direct an Avengers movie or Star Wars movie. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's all par for the course. Um and, and I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad we did it. And if you've made it this far and you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. Go see the movie.
0: Absolutely. And and like for Lee Winel too. It's good for him. Even even, eventually he'll get to direct a bigger budgeted film. But if he stays within this micro-budget world, that's all good. Remember, it took James Wan a few movies before they gave him a Fast and Furious movie. And then he went back to doing a Conjuring movie. And now he's doing Aquaman. So once Lee gets more under his belt, and he has full support, by the way, is from James Wan he'll get there. I mean, he, too, is upgrading as a director. So, that he is.
1: Yeah. Marissa, well. final thoughts?
2: Uh, fun film. I think there's definitely a rewatchability factor for this. Uh, it, it's definitely B-rated, but it's good action. I think the action and just the concept really makes up for it. And uh, I, like, I would recommend this to most people.
0: Yeah, I, I would recommend it to anybody who likes this type of film I mean it is violent uh, so it, it, it is a genre it's heavy genre, sci-fi thriller it's a B-movie, but it works um, regarding a sequel look, if this is a one-off as a self-contained movie it's fine, Definitely. it has it a works. beginning a middle and an end, and it's got the twist ending fine if they were to make a sequel if it were to come to that, I'd more than likely go i want okay. to see what happens to Grey
1: Maybe he's upgraded already. Who knows? Uh, well, you guys have been listening to us talk for a long time. But here's your opportunity. You get to comment and let us know what you thought of the movie. Do you guys disagree? Do you guys agree? What do you guys think of the nature of humanity, of technology? How far is too far? Uh, let us all know all those thoughts and opinions. What did you think of the action? All that fun stuff. What's your favorite... Uh, you know Lee Wan L movie, including the the stuff he's written, not just the two one twos that he's directed. Let us know. We we truly do appreciate it. We read them. In the meantime, you can also interact with us on a more intimate level via social media at Serafini TV for Marissa. That's right. At dmovies Seventeen O One. Yes, I appreciate your support. And I'm at Phil Svitek, or just go to PhilSvitek.com. dot com. Uh, speaking of the summer months, we've got a whole heck of a lot of movies. We've, uh, you know, we've, we've been doing about two a week, one longer, one a little bit shorter. We're going to do a couple of bonus ones. We're going to be doing about three a week. <laughs> it's, uh, we're going to try to give you everything we can. And some of you guys will say, but what about this movie? We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> There's a lot of movies out there. There are. So, um, but hey, it, that's a um, high, high class problem, isn't it? <laughs> First world high problems.
0: High class <laughs> yes. So, it's a good right. problem we're highfalutin right
1: yes indeed <laughs> uh, speaking of which just to give you a little overview we will be doing RBG um, a little bit later today so you can look out for that next week what do we got we got Oceans 8 and Hereditary yes. and uh, down the line I'm just trying to think down the line we've got Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom Mission Impossible Fallout Woo, I can't even exciting. think that far ahead I'm just thinking we, the next two to three we weeks we tag Tag. Okay. Can't
2: wait. Fun movie, I'm sure. Um,
1: I did see a drift. We will try to do that a little bit later. I thought it was a. I thought it was a good movie. Shailene Woodley really showed her acting chops in that, and kudos to her. Um, good movie. If you haven't seen it, we'll we'll try to talk about that one a little bit later. Um, and I'm a, we're we're gonna try to do some documentaries here and there. Uh, are you? Uh, Won't you be my neighbor? The Mister Rogers one. We're gonna try to just a lot of cramming in there so lots to look forward to speaking (laughs) of which, as much as there's to look forward to there's a lot of stuff in the past so if if you're just catching up on some of the movies that you haven't you know seen in its first run by all means revisit our archives uh, on iTunes it only has the the most recent 300 I know go figure Uh, if you want the full full list of over 400 movies we've covered go to popcorntalk.com and it has all the audio and the video there so for your convenience Again, Dimitri, Marissa, and me are here to sign off. Until next time. Bye. From producers Maria
0: Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.